Welcome to the Digital Dialogue. Amanda Briggs here, and I'm sitting with Professor and Dr. Carl Colts. He's the Professor of IT Management and Innovation and also the Associate Dean Research at the Faculty of Business and University of Wollongong. Currently the Debate Editor for Communications for the AIS and widely published academic on agile development, boundary spanning, organisational agility and information systems research. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Amanda. Appreciate being up in Queensland. Uh, a couple of questions for you, Carl. I know your time is tight here. Uh, but with organisations seeking to increase, improve and measure innovation, what does your research find regarding the use of agile or scrum development models? Well, the first thing which this kind of research uh, shows is that uh, organisations nowadays uh, which have to re react on the uh, changing environment, on the changing market, on the fast-changing uh, uh, fast uh, uh, society, uh, we use the concept of digital transformation or the concept of digital disruption, uh, are willing nowadays to uh, take much more risks in a uh, environment uh, which is still to a certain extent controllable. The concept of agile development shows that the concept of agile development has a very uh, different uh, approach towards development, meaning that uh, the developers but also the customers, the clients, are taking a much more active role much earlier in, uh, in the uh, development process of information systems or information uh, infrastructure, uh, which means that uh, most of the clients, in the end, are much happier with the results because they buy in uh, much more early. They actually also have much earlier in the process the uh, opportunity to adjust both their expectations but also their requirements because the idea of course with agile development is that you have in contrast to traditional development where you would for months sometimes for years develop a document specifying uh, uh, the requirements for a certain information systems that you very early in the process we would say have executable specifications will say you will you are like we are used from the manufacturing and the car industry, you have a prototype very early, but that prototype is developed in a way that you actually can use it uh, in uh, production. I like to give you an example. When I still was living over in, in Europe, we were accompanying a, a project uh, for a large uh, German metropolitan city uh, where in an agile way, because the traditional way had uh, been uh, uh, unsuccessful, a system for, and this is export, important for Australia, a system for the management of water and water waste uh, has been developed in an agile way from maintaining the sewage to actually get the product, namely clean water, out to the customer, but also getting the uh, bills out to the customers. Uh, what we had in that, uh, what we saw in that project, people who would regularly not be business analysts but would be uh, much more technical developers and uh, uh, programmers, very early in the process developed a feeling for mm. what it actually means to be a customer mm. uh, 
in the water industry, every one of us is used to open our tap at home and have a shower in the mm. morning or have a glass glass of water. So on one hand side, the organization took a large risk because mm. uh, they did not have a process where every single requirement was signed off. On the other hand side, they had uh, over a two years project. Every, every eighth week, they had something uh, which developed in that agile uh, in that agile way was executable. They were not as risky as uh, we would have liked because they kept the original traditional system in the background, and this is understandable because here we talk about an information systems which system which was largely uh, financed by uh, taxpayers' money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what it clearly showed that uh, by taking that risk, by being agile with regard to the ideas the developers came uh, came up with, but also on the developer side being much more open and saying, well, we don't withdraw because the contract says something else. Mm. You would sit together. And we are not talking about a small project here. We had a group mm. of 25 to 30 developers sitting uh, sitting in a room. Usually people would say agile development only works uh, if there are five to seven people working on it. That was not the case here. We had systems developers in the room. We had specialists from the water management and we actually had customer representatives uh, who would actually uh, go to uh, the households and uh, and uh, would get uh, that information they needed what the customers would mm. would like to see so to summarize uh, without the input the serious input from all these different stakeholder groups, this very innovative system, which, by the way, also was delivered before schedule and is still working very successfully nowadays in three of the German cities. Mm. And, uh, this would not have happened because mm. as a systems developer, of course, you are living in your world and you know what the technology can can provide you with the business analysts know to a certain extent uh, uh, what the customer might want. Uh, but putting all these uh, people virtually in one room together mm. or with modern information technology, uh, have them communicate directly with each other, led to a product, if I may say so, which nobody had envisioned and which would have not been possible if these people would have sat down mm. for half a year and would have written a very dry document, let's put it that way. Mm. You mentioned uh, that case study was quite interesting in that uh, often agile development will challenge some preconceived project management frameworks, particularly if it's a government organisation, regulations, but you're suggesting that it doesn't need to be one or the other, that these pr the, the approaches can live symbiotically together. Uh, definitely so. I would be careful maybe when it comes to security uh, uh, sensitive systems, but on the other hand side, agile does not mean that you're throwing everything overboard. Mm. Of course there will be contracts, of course there will be briefs, of course there will be a number of documents, but these documents are much more in terms of guidelines. They are agreed, but everyone knows that uh, that these documents might also be overthrown, but in an amicable way, mm -hmm. and not in a way where what we are used to, and I always was on the side of the IT industry, if the customer wanted something something new and you were under time pressure, you would, of course, always draw the card and say, not in the specification. Uh, if you want that, you have to pay more. 
Uh, you can't do that uh, in an agile way. On the other hand side, if we go back to that to that contract, uh, to that project I just talked about, what happened in that project that the customer at every point in time, not every point in time, but at many of the milestones, uh, the customer organization also had the right to say, well, we are not happy with what you mm. are doing anymore. This is where the contract ends. Mm. Uh, that, of course, also means that the, that the supplier put an extra effort in uh, not just to keep on paper the customer uh, happy, but uh, to provide with every piece of executable software, if I may say, so value to the customer, uh, to the customer organization. That, of course, me also means that you have to develop a very different kind of trust, mm. and that you have to acknowledge that at every point in time, none of the two parties is in complete control. That is a myth. And actually always has been a myth in uh, traditional uh, information systems development as well. That's why so many of these projects actually fail. But then they fail after three or four years. And we could, of course, talk about a number of, uh, of examples also in, in, in this country mm. uh, where these people then part from each other. Mm. But millions of dollars are wasted. Yeah. Uh, you, so that you're talking about participatory design, at early stages of the design and development of projects. And you've uh, done a lot of research around participatory design and how it increases the success of product development. Tell me exactly what what is participatory design and how, when and where is it best used? When should it not be used in, from your experience? Well, coming from, as I, as I mentioned in our uh, conversation, from a Northern European, we'll say Scandinavian culture, where participation uh, in all possible uh, uh, issues of life that uh, that starts uh, in your neighborhood and goes far beyond uh, neighborhood forums as i'm used to them uh, in our new home country participatory design if you if you would look at it can take different forms uh, a form uh, which is uh, very uh, widespread in australia is informative participation mm -hmm. well where you would ask but with no strings attached possible customers, clients, about their opinion about a certain solution for a project. But there would be no strings attached. The supplier would still have the last word in saying. Similar, uh, it would be in what is very, very uh, uh, widespread, uh, is consultative design. Uh, the stakeholders whether they will be the final customers. If we're taking our example again from, uh, from the waterworks, the customer actually was that water management organization, mm. but they are also providers. So in that case, uh, what, we, what we had were, what we were representatives from the public at large who mm -hmm. only, had a only had a consultative role uh, the participation came in uh, in if you are if you have real participation well you have to find out who's making the decisions mm -hmm. but uh, the decisions might be made at uh, at a certain point in time by your end customers but they might also be made but just empowering just take the situation where you have developers uh, who usually are just following the directives of what stands in the part in in the specification but if you are empowered with those people they they might have a in a certain in a certain range and scope of course the right to make their own informed uh, decisions and what what we found on that spectrum what you can see 
Of course, the first, uh, the first uh, step is important. People will buy in, if I may say so, in, into change in their, in, in their life, uh, which is kind of, which is kind of uh, uh, mediated by information systems. Uh, but being informed very, very early, they might even more buy in if they can uh, recognize themselves through consultation in that that product actually, well, that idea you had the other night, mm. actually has been mirrored in the product many of them will even buy more, buy more into it if they have decision making power but mm. that's of course not easily done uh, if we would have a participatory design process let's say about the national broadband network mm. what are you doing if 60% of those who are involved as citizens uh, would like to follow one approach, 40 would like to follow a different one. You know that you can't make it right for everything. So it's a co rather complex process of, of finding out where that balance uh, mm -hmm. in participation uh, in participation lies. But what research shows, the more you involve a certain majority of people in the development uh, of a certain product, the higher, and they're always outliers, but the higher is the probability that people take ownership mm. means they don't have to buy in. They own that. Uh, they become the champions exactly, of the product. Exactly. And lead it to a certain to a certain success. If you drive this even further, because now we have the technical infrastructure and we talk about, in your case, up here at QUT about the digital economy, mm -hmm. if you take the crowd in, you know that the crowd might might have uh, very diverse answers uh, to a uh, to a ch challenge, but if you implement mechanisms and say, well, we do it like in a in a uh, in a election, and you make rather clear what that means, that you might follow the majority, uh, you might get quite a number of interesting ideas for what nowadays is called an application, what I still call an information system, mm. and you will have large parts of your potential market, let's say it so, uh, behind you before you come uh, to the market with the product, and these people will then do for you what you traditionally have to do yourself, namely market your stuff, because mm. they feel ownership, because they can, and, and you can see that clearly uh, uh, crowdsourcing or the wisdom of the crowd is one form of participatory, well in this case if you talk about design, it's not necessarily the development, but uh, one particular form of the crowd and participatory design is what has going on for years uh, in the so-called open source community, mm. where interesting products uh, have been developed, where people uh, both uh, uh, came with their requirements, partly designed it, and partly uh, developed uh, developed those things. And maybe forms of that can be taken into the commercial, uh, into the commercial area. What you say is very interesting, Carl, and I can just imagine though that there's risks involved with that type of approach. We've probably both run projects with multiple stakeholders, mm. and the more stakeholders you have, the longer it takes to get to a decision. The more consultation that's required. Does this require more consultation? More? Does it take longer to make decisions this way, or? How do we value that it's worth the payoff? There are there are two issues with that, Amanda. One issue, of course, is uh, again 
Very traditional research, uh, long ago already, has shown the earlier in the process you are including your clientele, uh, the faster you are uh, you are in the end. So what you what you might think you are losing in the beginning, you might uh, you might get in uh, in the end of a project. On the other hand side, of course, as you rightly says, say uh, you need a framework around it. When do you have something you can bring to the market? Because otherwise, it's a Never-ending story. So you have to to balance uh, uh, those two uh, those two approaches, and you of course also have to balance that. You see, in those communities, often those who might not be the most competent, but uh, who might be those who are shouting loudest, if I if I may say so, might get the majority of the hearing. That might not be the the uh, most appropriate uh, way of then developing. Product. So there are there are these risks, but it is worth the while. And again, as I said earlier, agile does not mean, and it's not a synonym for muddling through. It's actually a very disciplined way of doing things. And one way of organizing this would be, well, imagine the business analysts would not only represent the supplier, but if you on the customer side actually had in collaboration uh, because this is what you need. You need collaboration, but you also you also need the emancipated, but also knowledgeable uh, customer on that side. If you don't have the knowledge yourself as a customer, well, why don't you hire someone? And many organizations, again, I could bring examples from uh, Scandinavia. One of the examples in which I on the periphery have been involved, a university. I wants to introduce a new student administration system. Mm. They want to buy a certain enterprise uh, uh, resource management system, but don't have the knowledge. So what are they doing? They hire a consultancy company which provides the necessary organizational and, uh, and uh, uh, technical knowledge to their side. So in the moment where the supplier then would make the argument and say, but this is not possible, mm. or it costs money, mm. you have on the other side of the table someone sitting who has the same technical uh, knowledge you have who might be specialized in these kind of public sector systems and would raise his or her finger and say, well, but I know it is possible. If you want to have that contract and work with us, here this is what I have to offer. So there are mechanisms where you can where instead of only taking one side, uh, you might make, have to make an investment, but that in the end, in that case actually, uh, 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 which is a case from Norway, clearly showed that the customer in the end was extremely happy with the supplier and the end customers, namely both the university administration, the scholarly staff and the students, got a system which, through that participatory mm. uh, process, came much closer to their expectations. Expectations, of course, are never 100% met, but that costs it, costs it an investment in the beginning, but in the end, again, a project which finished on time, the stakeholders, nothing goes without friction, of course, <laughs> but the stakeholders in that case were happy. But it also, you see, what it needs is this, I mentioned trust earlier, uh, it, it also needs this uh, willingness to listen to each other. Mm. Uh, and it is not a, about that one side knows more than the other. It's just that some people know more about the business, others know more about the technology, and you have to, to, bring, them, to bring them together, and you have to, to accept that, uh, uh, well, it's not a linear process. Mm. Uh, so, well, 
that would be enough. You make it sound easy. It's not easy <laughs> at all. It's not easy at all. If you, uh, uh, if you, we, we, I, I, I supervised a, a PhD who exactly uh, uh, studied uh, many years ago in in Denmark uh, that uh, that uh, kind of project where you have a, an organization which both uh, sells agile services but also traditional services, but in a traditional in a traditional framework. Because if you if you want to sell agile an agile development model, you also have to be very agile with your contracts, mm -hmm. and that means that you in your in your development organization have to explain to managers who might be uh, evaluated of quite different key performance indicators than you as a project manager that it's worth a while, uh, and uh, it might in many cases uh, uh, stop uh, stop there. In that case, because and you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned uh, a project management method as Scrum earlier, uh, because you have quite well-defined milestones. The only thing you are having there, you having much only, you have much more possibilities to reflect, mm -hmm. and, but you need also to be willing to reflect. It's much easier to hide behind a document for a year, and then let the legal department take the quarrel with the customer than being every day, every week, every month accountable for what you are doing. This mm. is not easy. This needs discipline. This needs uh, highly educated people. As I said earlier, 20 years ago when we were working with the concept of prototyping, many people thought, well, again, I would like to use that concept of modeling through. That's not what it is. Mm. It's, a, it's not a controllable process, but it's a very disciplined process and it's not for everyone. If you can't live on one hand side with the uncertainty and on the other hand side, if you are a person or an organization which doesn't want to be under permanent scrutiny, mm. Agile is not for you. <laughs> oh, Carl, look, we're going to have to wrap up just yes. in the view of time, but we really appreciate you sharing your insights and your contribution to the digital dialogue. Uh, hopefully, we'll entice you back to QUT sometime soon and we can follow up with some of the other conversations and some of your other insights from your research. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Enjoyed the day. I today saw, and I think we should bring that in, uh, a very innovative approach, uh, uh, QUT in the Information Systems School, in that realm of digital economy is uh, in itself an interesting uh, concept, being at a engineering faculty still talking about economy and a digital economy and seeing the, the breadth of interesting projects being done here. Uh, so, uh, yes, from my side, I would appreciate, uh, and I'm always willing to come up and, uh, and share my knowledge with you guys, but also learning from you. It, for me, it was an extremely fruitful day. You see, the PhD students often underestimate how much they give us as senior mm. scholars the chance with their new ideas to learn from them. So Amanda, thanks very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, Carl.